welcome to the Vine Podcast. This is Warren, and I'm joined once again today by Jason Martin. Good morning, Jason. Good morning. It's uh, good to talk to you. It's, it's been a while since uh, I was on the podcast with you, and it's nice to be back. That's right. So this is our second podcast of the year, but our first together with, with you and me. And so we're going to get into some other stuff this morning, but I'm, I'm curious, Jason, do you, this is kind of the season for um, New Year's resolutions and goals for the new year and things like that. Do you do anything with New Year's resolutions or, or thinking through kind of the year ahead? Um, well, New Year's resolutions, not so much. Thinking through the year ahead, yes. Uh, you know, I kind of, I kind of find that um, if ever I want to resolve to make a change or to do something different or to create a new focus within my life, um, I don't feel like I have to do that at the start of the year. Um, and so I'll, I'll typically just... It's required. You have to wait till <laughs> January. Well, I, yeah. Um, I, I find it easier and actually more constructive if I just jump on it, you know, uh, maybe, maybe not immediately when I think about it, but I'll, I'll pick a point in the near future, whenever that happens to be, uh, to do that. And, you know, because... I, I teach at a university. My year is probably more dictated by the start of the school year in August. Mm. And so if I if I were to do resolutions, which I don't typically do, uh, that would probably be the, the starting point for me, less so January. Uh, just because in January I'm kind of, um, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's really midway through what I consider to be my structured year. Yeah, you know, and I think if we ever needed a reminder that, that the change in calendar doesn't really mean anything, it, it's been this year. Oh, because, yeah. Because, um, you know, everyone was so ready to be done with 2020. It's like, let's turn, the, let's turn the page, let's get to something new. And I mean, even if you just look from our church calendar standpoint, we, uh, we've now had two Sundays in 2020, neither of which we've met in person for completely different reasons. Yeah. So it just it just continues with the world of unknowns and, and chaos and confusion and and all that. Yeah. Um. And so I know you were kind of telling me though about um. You you've listened to another podcast where they talk about yearly themes. Yeah. Can you talk about that for a minute and just maybe that that could be a way to help people maybe thinking think about kind of looking ahead to the year before in a little bit of a different way. Sure. So. Um, there's a, a podcast I listen to called Cortex. It's kind of sort of a tech podcast, although they it's probably the least techie of the tech podcasts that, that I listen to, meaning like going into technology and, you know, different apps you use. And, you know, they do talk about, you know, um, applications they use for it's really I consider it more about productivity, just being a, a productive person, um, how you organize your time. Uh, how you think about your jobs and your tasks and that kind of thing. And a few years ago, they started talking about this thing they called the theme system. Uh, and they, they, they say that instead of doing uh, New Year's resolutions, it's better to think of it as having a yearly theme. So, so for instance, maybe I'm going to have the year of project completion 
you know, so if I have a lot of projects that I've just kind of left hanging and, um, and I, instead of starting a bunch of new projects, I want to finish them all, or I want to finish some of them. And so my theme, less of a resolution, my theme is, uh, the, the theme of completion. And the reason that they advocate that is because, um, every decision you make can, you can kind of say, does this fit in with my theme? Does this fit in with a theme of completion or, or, you know, some of them, they might have like a, a year of simplicity or the year of adventure, like the year of like trying new things and, and just being more adventurous uh, or the year of creativity. I want to just be more creative this year. So it's not so much a resolution in the sense of I'm going to do this specific thing, but it's more of kind of a guiding uh, kind of a guiding principle that takes you through the year. Um, and, and so they, they actually have, uh, published a journal that you can buy online. Um, let's see if I can remember exactly what the URL is. Um, no, I can't remember what it is off the top of my head, but I may put it in the show notes for this episode. Um, but you, you, you can get this journal, which they've designed specifically to help people with their yearly themes. And it's kind of a, uh, you know, it has like a daily journal and a monthly journal and you can, you know, write notes and all the things that people who are into journaling, you know, like to do, but it's specifically organized around this idea of a theme and, you know, ways to implement your theme and ways to kind of think about it. I don't use that. Um, I actually did buy the journal the first year they published it. Um, I used it for maybe two weeks. <laughs> I'm not much of a journaler, and so that's not something that necessarily appealed to me. Um, but uh, I gave it a shot. I discovered it wasn't for me. But if that's something that uh, you know people are into, then that might be helpful for them. I like I like that idea and that way of thinking about it because you know New Year's resolutions are. Um, pretty cliche but they're 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 almost a mockery at this point right because it's just kind of universally accepted that that we make new year's resolutions and then don't keep them like your journal we lose right. them by by right. the second week of the year <laughs> and and if you have a different way of thinking about it and so that's language like that has been helpful for me at least in thinking through some of those things like setting goals like setting attainable goals instead of kind of a resolution um and and so the the theme idea kind of fit in you conceptually at least with kind of how i was thinking about the new year and, and rachel and i kind of talked about this last week but like I, I feel like one of the lessons i've taken from 2020 is is moving some things kind of from conceptual to to practical um that there are some things i've kind of held as conceptually true that i've struggled to always live out and i'm sure we could all say that in in some different areas but um, similar to your journal thing, like I had at one point this bracelet that was, that was like a prayer bracelet that it would just be a reminder like every time I saw it or touched it throughout the day, just like to say a short prayer. And then like your journal, I, I, I lost it. So one of the things that I did at the beginning of this year was I, I reordered uh, several prayer bracelets. So I have backup and, um, and what they call a, um, an anxiety rock. Have you seen these? They're called anxiety rocks. Yes. Um, I have seen those, yeah. And so I ordered one of those to use, not as an anxiety rock, but as a prayer rock. 
Um, so things that yeah. like can just remind me of, of what I want to be consistently doing throughout the day. So I've tried to do things like that to say, okay, these are some things that I've conceptually believed would be good practices. What's going to help me mm-hmm. move that from conceptual to actual? Well, and the nice thing about the theme system is that it really is about, it's flexible enough that you're not trying to shoehorn something new into your life that may not fit or that may not really click with you. Instead, you're developing a theme or you you have this theme that you can then adapt what you're already doing or adapt your, your lifestyle as it currently is to kind of fit that theme a little bit better. It's kind of just, it's instead of a, a new thing, a new obligation or a new responsibility that you have, mm-hmm. it's really more of, okay, how can my thoughts and decisions be guided by this principle a little bit more? And actually, while, while you were talking, I remembered that I, uh, behind, on the shelf behind me, I actually have the the theme journal the theme system journal that i had bought a few years ago and you know people listening to this at home can't see this but i don't know if you can see but um see you have i i I wrote a little bit so i have you know a few things written down from a couple of years ago uh on a few of the pages Uh um but if you see the vast majority of it is completely empty and the spine is very pristine still (laughs) (laughs) and so uh you know i'd be glad to show this to somebody if they're interested and the website is actually the theme system.com the the theme system.com and uh and i I would just read to you what they write on this website it says instead of resolutions we set an overall idea of how we would like to approach each year or season and that's the other thing. This doesn't have to be yearly. It could be seasonally. So maybe your theme lasts, you know, for three months or six months rather than a year. But um, it says this becomes almost like a guiding principle for our work and our personal lives uh, for that period. For example, we have both used the theme the year of less. Uh, and the two guys that do this are Gray and Mike. For Gray, this meant a year of less travel and less commitments. For Mike, it meant starting no new projects for a year. Uh, When creating a yearly theme, it's a good idea to think about what your ideal outcome is for that period and think of some key actions you would like to complete. Then, as you go through the year, it's important to remember this theme when considering new projects. This ensures that you're sticking to what you want to achieve. So that's kind of the the principle behind it. And if you go to the themesystem.com, they have more information about kind of how it works and the journal and then and also a little uh video that kind of shows how to how to put it into practice. But it's I, I've even though I don't use the journal, um I, I I like the idea and I like the the that being sort of the guiding thought and the guiding drive whenever I'm deciding how to spend my time, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so if it's a, a choice between, um, you know, just goofing off reading Twitter on my phone or, you know, doing something else, whether it's reading a book or, uh, or doing some writing or doing something for work or doing something around the house, I found that my my yearly theme helps guide that principle, you know. 
Um, and so I've, I've decided that this, um, that this year is going to be kind of a year of, uh, and, and actually when I say this year, I mean like the school year, because like I said, my years tends to be more tied to that than the calendar year. But this year for me is, uh, kind of a year of professional, uh, output. And so I want to put more things out into my professional world. So for me, that means, uh, you know, journal articles and things that I might write. It means uh, conference presentations, um, which is definitely not a theme that I would have every year. Uh, in fact, I probably won't have it next year, but for this year, that's what I have. And largely, um, I feel I've been pretty successful with that. I've, I've uh, you know, have, have already had a couple of conference presentations and have another one coming up. And um, I wrote a journal article that I haven't submitted yet, but it's, it's almost ready to submit for publication. And um, I wrote a chapter in a book that just came out this month. Um, and so just little things like that, I feel like I've been successful so far in kind of sticking to that theme. And it's just one of, been one of those things to where, um, I, I have a theme and when I dis, when I think about, okay, how do I want to spend my day? How do I want to spend my time? It just kind of is a guiding principle for that. Mm, yeah. um, instead of saying, you know, if I was doing a New Year's resolution, I might say, well, by, you know, this year I want to publish three articles. That's my resolution. Well, I might get three or I might just get one or I might have, uh, you know, an article and, you know, uh, other, a few other things. So I'm not, I'm not kind of, I'm not hemming myself in with specific, uh, requirements, but just kind of the year of this gives me a guiding principle for how I want to choose to use my time. Um, yeah. and I think that a lot of new year's resolutions ultimately want to get at that, but maybe are just too specific. Maybe that's the, the problem is that we're, we're, we're too specific and we're trying to, sh like I said, we're trying to shoehorn a new thing into our life that may or may not fit. Yeah. Or they're usually about like things that I really don't want to do, but know that I need to. And so it's like, well, I'll yes. make it a new year's resolution and then, and then, you know, well, yeah, of course it's not going to work out because yeah. it's it's not a habit or a practice we want to do. <laughs> yeah, it's it's no different than if I were to say my New Year's resolution is to pitch for the Houston Astros. I mean, is that realistic? Is that something I can actually achieve? Well, at 43 years old, almost 44, probably not. But even if that your was age, something I wanted to achieve. Is your age the only thing keeping you from that though, Jason? Oh yeah, totally. That's, <laughs> it's definitely just my age. You know, you don't see very many 44-year-old uh, pitchers out on the field. But uh, that aside, if, you know, if, if somebody really made that their commitment, you know, even if they put in all the work, there's not much of a chance that that would happen. Right. Um, even if they put in all the work, had all the talent in the world, um, that's probably not going to happen. So, uh, but sometimes we make resolutions that are, kind of on par with that yeah <laughs> in terms of realistic nature i like i like that way of thinking about it as as kind of themes and and that being a guiding principle and i think that could be maybe just something for us to tuck away and remember that could be something interesting to think about from a community church perspective as well um yeah as well as individual and family you could you could think about that as a family i think too 
what do we want our family mm -hmm. theme to be this year? So, yeah, good stuff. Well, it's it's in a way, it's kind of like, you know, we talk about mission statements and companies have mission statements and churches have mission statements. Um, I often will encourage couples for their family to have a mission statement um, and, or kind of a vision statement might be a better way to think about it. Well, a, a yearly theme is kind of like having a mission statement or a vision statement for your yeah, year. Sort of a seasonal. For you, for yeah. You, a, a, yeah, a seasonal thing for you. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't have to be something you're committing to for all time. The, the other mistake I think we make with resolutions is, is we think, well, I'm going to make this a permanent change. Well, with a yearly theme, you can say, no, this isn't permanent. It is for the next three months or the next six months or the next year. Um, uh, you, and so you know there is a, a, an end point to this. I personally find that helpful because uh, deadlines help me prioritize things. If I have a deadline on something, then I know, okay, I need to get to work on that. I need to kind of get started. I need to think about how I'm going to approach this. Whereas if, if it's just kind of indefinite, um, and I guess you could say for a New Year's resolution, December 31st might be the deadline. Um, but, you know, I, I, I prefer to kind of think of it as um, I want to integrate new way of thinking into my life that's going to guide me for a period of time. And then after that period of time, I'll, I'll reevaluate and see what kind of guiding principle do I want at that point. Okay. Well, that's good. Good conversation about that. We're going to switch gears a little bit now and, um, and talk a little bit about first John. And so we began, uh, just began a sermon series on first John uh, there were several reasons that I sort of wanted to do that, and you can listen to the introduction to that series in, in our worship service to, to kind of hear more about that. But wanted to kind of talk about one aspect of 1 John that I think is interesting that ended up kind of not fitting in the introduction. And so to do that, we obviously need to start by, um, by talking about the movie Jingle All the Way. Is that all right with you, Jason? Uh, sure. I, I've heard of this movie. <laughs> I can't say that I've seen have it. Have you never seen I, Jingle All the Way? Well, if I have, it's been a long time ago. I Well, that, that sets up how, we're, how I'll get into it. That's the Arnold Schwarzenegger one, right? It's the Arnold Schwarzenegger one, yes. Yeah, okay. And so I remembered, uh, so like, I loved the movie Jingle All the Way as a kid. I used to watch it, you know, every Christmas, you know, at least after it came out. And um, so we decided we were going to watch it this year, you know, with, with Isley and Banner. And... Um, we sometimes, you know, we watch those movies without watching them again first and are kind of like, oh, we should have we should have reviewed this first before we opened it up to our kids because there were things in it that we didn't remember. <laughs> um, but Jingle All the Way was OK, but, but it was I've, interesting. I've, I've had that experience with other movies where yeah. I was like, oh, kids, let's watch this great, wonderful movie I remember from my childhood. And then you get in and go, oh, right. And that's kind of why I wanted to talk about Jingle All the Way because I I feel like you know I've done that with several movies and and Jingle All the Way was uh, it was tame in terms of kind of having inappropriate content there wasn't any any moment in the movie that I was like oh this was a bad idea mm -hmm. but it's just always interesting going back to those movies to me to those movies that you like loved as a kid and then watching them as an adult and just the different things that you see you know. And I had forgotten really a lot of the plot of the movie, 
But especially in some of those 90s movies, man, you go back to him and like Arnold Schwarzenegger, like it's surprisingly good in some of the scenes, but then in some of them you can just like tell like, yeah, this guy's not a natural actor. (laughs) 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 It's his at least second language, you know, like Uh you can tell. Mm -hmm. But he's he's funny and he's good in some of it. But even like the editing in some of it was just odd and weird and it felt like a very 90s movie, which in the 90s you don't feel, but looking back on it, you're like, man, this feels like a period piece from the oh, 90s. sure, sure. <laughs> um, and just all of those things that you, that you just notice differently when you go back and, and review or revisit something that you've already known. Mm-hmm. And, and so I thought of Jingle All the Way because we, we just watched that a few weeks ago. But there's a part in First John where uh, where John, he writes this, he says, Dear friends, I am not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you, have had, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard, yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. So he says there that it's truth is seen in him and in you. Of course, the him there is Jesus. Um, and then because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. And so on one hand, like those statements almost sound contradictory, where he says, I'm, writing, I'm not writing you a new command. This is an old command, yet I am writing a new command. And mm-hmm. so you could say, well, maybe he's talking about two different commands, but that doesn't seem to be the context. It seems to be that he's talking about the same central message of his of his letter and of his writing but i think when we view it kind of through that 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 lens of of sometimes how we approach movies that we've seen in the past and now revisit or things like that it it does make sense to me that that there are times when you know there there may be something that we know a teaching that we know a concept that we know a movie that we know whatever and then when we come back and revisit that in a different context, in a different season, um, when we have new life experiences or a new perspective on something about life, all of a sudden that, that teaching, that concept, that movie, whatever it is, it, it comes across different in some way. It has new weight. It has new gravity. Mm. Um, it, it looks different from this new perspective. There's an angle of it that we hadn't noticed before. Um, like I said, like as a kid, I wouldn't have noticed like the choppy sometimes conversation and editing in that movie. But as an adult, I'm like, oh, this doesn't really feel natural. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and so we could we could think about that in sort of silly ways like jingle all the way. But I think it's true about scripture, and I think that's what John is getting at in in that verse where he's saying, look, these are things you already know. Now, in light of your new circumstances, I want you to revisit some of these things. Um, because because I think there are some things that are going to be helpful to be reminded of, and maybe you'll see them in a little bit of a different light, given where you are right now. And so I want to get into, in a minute to kind of some of those differences, um, but you have any response to any of that, or how, how does that hit you just kind of beginning this conversation? Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, kind of talking about movies, um, I, I remember seeing... I don't know if I ever had seen the whole movie all the way through when I was a kid, but I remember seeing various scenes of Casablanca when I was a kid. And then I watched it again uh, as an adult um, just, you know, a few years ago. And I've actually seen it a couple of times since then. And 
you know, it's Casablanca is largely hailed as one of the best films in American history. And I definitely never got the gravitas and the the meaning of it until I was an adult. And it's because I knew the context better. Mm. I knew the context of not just uh, uh, the context of the plot of the film, you know, being, uh, you know, not just Americans, but uh, French and Germans kind of descending on uh, on Casablanca, on the city of Casablanca in the middle of, uh, you know, Hitler's Germany kind of expanding their power and uh, and kind of having their puppet regime in in France, but but also the context of the filmmaking itself. You know, that film was made in the midst of World War II when, you know, the United States and the Allied forces really didn't have a, a, a clear understanding of what exactly was going on or, or how it was going to play out. And watching that movie uh, with knowledge of that context, not just of the plot, but of the filmmakers themselves as they were making that movie lends so much weight to each and every scene and and just the the performances are so emotionally charged not just because you know of the actors you know playing a role but because they were actively living it in the moment and so when i read uh this scripture you know i'm not writing you a new command but an old one which you have have had since the beginning. What what I see that is, uh, this is this is a film that's been around for years that you've been aware of, that you've heard, that you've seen maybe maybe the entire th- the, the film all the way through, but you have new information now. You have a better idea of what we're really talking about, and that creates a new obligation for you. It 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 needs to create a deeper understanding of the meaning and the weight of what's going on here. That's what I see Paul basically saying is, is that John um, or John. Yeah. This is what I, this is what I hear uh, John saying is that uh, you, you are further along in your understanding of what's going on in the world, what's going on, in your life, what's going on in the faith, and that cre- that means that this old command hasn't changed, but you've changed, and therefore your response to it is obligated to change as well. So t- to kind of talk about some of those changes and some of the differences then in in the context of John and and First John, because uh, most think that the Gospel of John and First, Second, and Third John are written by the same person written by the disciple John. First uh, John doesn't actually. There's nothing in First John that indicates who wrote it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the letter just starts. Mm-hmm. But church tradition says it was John. The writing. If if John didn't. If the same person didn't write the Gospel of John and First John, then like First John is written by someone who studied at the disciple John feet. Um, like the the wording is very similar. The the concepts are very similar. The language is very similar, mm-hmm. and and so it was at least someone closely uh, related to him, or or kind of in communication with him. But it seems like it was the same person, and and so when you compare the the settings of the books, 
it's interesting because the purpose of both the Gospel of John and 1 John seem to have something to do with faith and, and eternal life, and this idea that eternal life is, is knowing Christ and being in Christ, and that we already have access to this eternal life through, uh, through knowing the word of life and the word made flesh, all those things, all those kind of metaphors and languages that, that John uses. Mm-hmm. And, but the Gospel of John is written kind of in this context of, they're both written in the context of conflict, but with the Gospel of John, it's conflict between Jesus and, and unbelieving Jewish people on the outside, mm-hmm. on the outside of the church. And, and what it seems like is happening is that there are some Jesus-following Jews who are now coming into conflict with non-Jesus-believing Jews, like in their local synagogues and in local life. And this is presenting uh, all kinds of challenges and conflict and, and divisions, but it's largely between those who have kind of given their lives over to Christ or whatever and those who are holding on to kind of another form of Judaism or, or another way of thinking. But by the time you get to 1 John, that letter, it's about conflict that is happening within the church. Hmm. And so what you have now is you have churches who have now been established for a little while, but now some false teaching is kind of starting to spread in some of the churches. And so you have people who now from within the church are starting to spread a, a different version of the gospel message and, and, and story. And, and so it just presents like just a slightly different context that I think would make sense then to say, yeah, well, remember all these things that we've talked about before, <laughs> these things are still true <laughs> and you need to be reminded of them. And just because now there are some other people telling you that that's not true, like, no, like I'm, I'm going to write you to tell you, no, these things are all still true. Mm-hmm. And because these things are all still true, here's what it should look like for you now in this situation. Here's how you should go about living. And and the structure of First John is interesting because it's not really... It's not formed like another letter from that time. John's very like cyclical. Like he just kind of keeps returning to the same concepts over and over and over again and just kind of building on them, which makes sense with this idea of like, hey, I'm not telling you anything new. Just like, here's what you need to be doing with it now. And so then he keeps returning to the same information. Like you need to love each other. You need to do, you need to follow God's commands. Um, and, and yeah, eternal life is found in Jesus. And like over and over again, he just keeps returning to those concepts. Mm-hmm. Um, and and um, so I don't think, this is a quote from, from a commentary on 1 John that I'm going to read just now word for word. It says, It is not surprising then that when the language and concepts of the fourth, fourth gospel are taken up and used in the letters, they are given a different spin in order to serve the purposes of the letter. And so one of the most obvious examples of that is there's this word that is translated in most of our Bibles as advocate, mm-hmm. and it's only used by John. It's used in the Gospel of John. It's used in 1 John. But in John, it refers specifically to the Spirit, that when Jesus at the end of John is talking about the coming of the Spirit, he calls it the advocate, or he actually says at one point, another advocate, mm-hmm. which sets up then how John talks about, how John uses this word in 1 John, where in 1 John, when John uses the word advocate, he only uses it to refer to Jesus. So now that we're like post Jesus, like the advocate is Jesus now that he's not with them in person. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's just like a different kind of slant or, or or way of looking at things now that we're kind of past that particular season. And, and I think that's of particular importance in, in our moment in however you want to think about it in like this new year 
um, in this time that we've experienced this this season and are still in this season, unlike any that we've probably ever experienced before, because of you know whatever reason you want to give for that, COVID mm-hmm. or political discourse, division, whatever you want to say, like there's there's sort of new context that we have, mm-hmm. and so I think it's fitting for us and good for us. So not only hear this that message about kind of the importance of, of coming back to some of these things, but it's part of why I wanted to explore this book to say that when, when John was writing to people who were experiencing this, this strange time, he's calling them back to some core principles that I think are still important for us to remember when we enter into a new season as well. Yeah, and that kind of shift that kind of refocus is exactly what uh what i think helps sustain us through difficulty um you know i think it's very it would be very easy to become very uh, to become somewhat cynical and to become uh despondent about the state of the world and i'm not just talking about in 2020 and 2021 i'm sorry this is this has been a, a problem of of humanity probably forever is that if yeah yeah uh, if you if you spend too much time looking at the problems of the world and and worrying about that uh it's very easy to become cynical and depressed and anxious and fearful you know um whether we're talking about political unrest or uh you know or the threat of of nuclear war i mean just shoot it was probably very easy to kind of lose yourself during the height of the cold war or world war ii or you know any of the major uh you know struggles throughout history and you know this this period of time is no different you can very easily you know read the news or not even just read the news sometimes just look in your own community at, at some of the problems facing your community and become very discouraged and become very fearful. And I think that's the trap that a lot of people have fallen into rather than kind of refocusing yourself. And I think this is something that is helpful to do periodically, but if if it helps for the start of a new year to be a point where you regularly do it every year, then great. But to refocus on what actually is my mission what actually mm-hmm. is my purpose? What actually is my driving force? Um, it probably isn't, first of all, it definitely isn't to fix all of the world's problems. And I do think it's helpful to, you know, to do what you can to address the problems that you see in your world. Um, but I can't take on the responsibility of being, of I can't be um, at peace until these problems are fixed. That, that is a one-way ticket to despair and fear. Uh, instead, if we think of it as, I will do what I can, but God is in control. Jesus is, is king. Jesus is Lord. Whatever problems I see in the world are made right through him. Whatever problems I see in the government, I have to remember that that's not my primary government. That's not my primary kingdom. The kingdom of God is. Um, that's not to say that I just kind of throw up my hands and say, oh, well, you know, there's nothing I can do. Um, but it does mean to say that I have to keep that in perspective and that's those struggles, those fears in perspective and, and, and refocus myself on what it means to be a Christian. In my mind, that means love, love of neighbor, love of your enemies, 
love of uh, of all people, love of all of God's creation, um, and that's what keeps me from uh, that. That's primarily, honestly, what keeps me from vilifying and dehumanizing people that uh, that I may otherwise find to be very difficult to understand and very difficult to deal with is that I, I have to remind myself, God calls me to love this person. This is a child of God. This is a person that God has made and created. Um, and I, you know, I may not like some of what they say or some of what they do or all of what they say or do, but that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean, or that doesn't excuse me from the responsibility to love that person, to pray for them, to uh, try to see God in them. Um, and that's a challenge for sure. And if, if, if you want to set a time where you are intentionally refocusing yourself, you know, maybe the start of the year is a good time to do that. I would encourage people to find other times so that it's not just once a year. <laughs> uh, but that's kind of what I see in in John's uh, letter here. I think I said something about this in the sermon yesterday. <laughs> Since mm -hmm. we're recording this before I've actually done the sermon, my plan <laughs> is to say something about this in the sermon. <laughs> don't but, you don't you love how time becomes a flat circle? That's right. So it, like I said, it, it seems like John is writing this letter in response to what he considers certainly to be false teaching. Yeah. But we're kind of left to guess at specifically what that false teaching is. And now he leaves evidences and clues. You can draw some conclusions based on the way he phrases some things in the letter for sure. Mm -hmm. But they're just guesses and we don't know for sure. Which I, I think is somewhat interesting that, that like instead of just saying, here's what all these people are telling you and here's why it's wrong. Mm -hmm. um, John just is pointing them back to the foundational things. Now they're going to know what the other people are teaching. So it's a little different looking back on it, but it's like, in, instead of just going point by point, John just says here, like you need to be focused on these things. Like these are the things. And as long as you, and it's, it's kind of like sort of kind of like guiding principles, like we we're talking about earlier. Like if you can remain, instead of dealing with specific, I guess what I'm thinking is instead of dealing with specific, like here's why this teaching is wrong. Mm -hmm. John seems to be pointing them back to, uh, these these kind of grounding principles. It's like, if you can keep these grounding principles to remember that Jesus came in the flesh, that he is the son of God, uh, that that he died for your sins, that, that God is love and light, and your, call, your response to that is to be love and light in the world. Mm -hmm. Like, if you can do, if you can hold on to those things, you're going to be good. <laughs> Um, and, and so it's like this recentering approach instead of just, uh, attacking and, and kind of tearing down. Here's why this other teaching is false. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. and like I said, I think it would have been more obvious to the original readers cause they're going to know the exact teachings that are out there from the, the quote unquote other side. Um, but at least in the letter, John, John just kind of seems to point people back to here's, here's what matters and here's what you need to stick to. And I think that's what makes it such a, an applicable letter for, for us still. It's like, man, when, when we've got so many different voices pulling us in so many different directions, when we have all this confusion and chaos and uncertainty, it's like, okay, these are still grounding principles that we can tie ourselves to. And, 
and they're going to we're going to have a little bit of a different perspective on them in the different seasons of life but whatever season we are in and whatever confusion we're up against whatever uncertainty we're up against uh, whatever division we're up against these principles are still going to be true and we can hold on to them. yeah yeah that's good all right well that's probably a good place for us to end today then yeah we'll end with that thought uh thanks thanks for jumping on and spending time with me today happy new year to you jason yeah happy new year to you too and uh this you know i think a lot of people are really anxious to put 2020 behind them you know i would you know not to be the the that guy but you know it just because the calendar turns our problems are still here and you're still gonna have to deal with them and still gonna have to um, you know, encounter new problems that come up this year. And so all the more reason to kind of keep perspective what what really should be put first and, um, you know, put our faith in God, be be careful and, and be safe and, and, you know, do what you can. But, um, you know, you, you can really lose yourself in anxiety and fear if uh, if you don't trust that, you know, God will make it right somehow some way maybe not in the way you want you know maybe not in your preferred way but somehow god will make it right yeah very true all right well you want to close us out in prayer today jason i'd love to our heavenly father we are uh humbled and we are uh grateful and we are thankful for the many blessings that you give that you bestow upon us um in times like this lord we um we sometimes want to look to the ways of, of humans. We want to solve our problems and we want to uh, be the, the masters of our own destiny. And we want to uh, address every ill that we see in the world and make it the way that we want it to be. We repent of that sin, Lord. We ask that you can uh, enter into our hearts and uh, guide us to faith in you, guide us towards uh, a reliance and an understanding that, that you are the true master of our destinies, that you are the true master of our world and of our lives. Help us to live with that confidence every day um, so that we are not overcome by fear, so that we are not under, overcome by distress and, and worries of the world. Uh, Lord, I pray for, uh, uh, for our church, and I pray for our communities. I pray for our nation and for our world, um, that we may collectively come to see the, um, uh, each other as our neighbors and as your children, uh, regardless of the ways in which we may see division or the ways in which we may see um see conflict between us help us to also see you in each other and with that i pray in the name of your son jesus christ amen amen, amen.